This is Suzanne York with Humans Optimized. We specialize in change management for technology adoption by bringing together advancements in technology with elevated human skills. Our aim is to cultivate human-to-human and human-to-technology collaboration. This combination will allow us to take advantage of the immense opportunities in the future of work. Two-thirds of people are unhappy at work. The greatest asset in every business, those unique, diverse, creative, passionate human beings are unable and unwilling to unleash their huge potential. This misery is not only painful to see, it's expensive, too. What would it take for organizations to truly orient around their people and unlock this massive untapped potential? To explore this topic with me today, I'm excited to invite Neil Bedwell to the conversation. Neil is a founding partner of Local, a change marketing partner to some of the world's best brands. I had the pleasure of meeting Neil in 2018 during a change management conference in Boston, where he gave a dynamic presentation about a new perspective on employee engagement. Neil is a passionate advocate for people-first leadership and a future that brings greater humanity and meaning to how people work. I'm thrilled to be talking with Neil and really excited to see where our conversation can take us. Neil, welcome and thanks for joining me. Hey, good morning. It's nice to be with you today. Yeah, we're in for a great conversation and we've got a big topic. So tell me, what do you think it would take for organizations to truly orient around their people? Uh Well, um, it's something that we've spent the last five years um, exploring uh, and trying to understand. Having lived and worked inside those big organizations and felt the pain, um, we, we think that marketing offers a, uh, maybe a new window into the, the hearts and minds of, of employees, of the people, of those human beings that work inside uh, these large companies and, and, and that make them tick. Mm, so uh, marketing. So yeah. marketing has a bit of a stigma. So how do you guys think about marketing? And is it the same way that other people might think about it? <laughs> it's true. It has a stigma. Um, I, I'm going to say this knowing that um, people will groan. Um, but most people don't know what marketing is. In fact, okay. uh, most marketers maybe don't really truly understand or appreciate what marketing is. When people think of marketing, they actually think of advertising, the output the thing, the shiny thing that you see, experience, um, watch um, about that brand or that product. Um, but that's really just the sort of the end point of a belief and understanding, which is much bigger. So w- what we would say is that marketing, if you like, with a capital M, is the orientation of every single thing you do around your audience. So um, in this case, applying marketing on the inside of a company is the orientation of everything the company does around its employees. So the key to me in that statement, in order to orient around everything you do around your audience, is knowing your audience. And and how well do you think companies know their employees? (laughs) A wonderful uh, way to get started. So um, I'll give you a a couple of... um, if you like little examples, um, I've spent 20 years, well, just under, not that old, um, (laughs) in, uh, working in the consumer marketing space and, uh, I'm a strategist planner. And so we spend all of our time trying to understand our audience, the Mm. busy mum 
um, and how they may or may not be interested in the new uh, soft drink or food products or electronics products, whatever it is. Um, we start with a um, belief that no one cares. No one gives a shit about what we're trying to tell them. So we need to seek to understand what uh, makes those people tick. And we do a huge amount of research and insight gathering around just who are these people and where in their lives does this brand or this product deserve to sit? Where will it be accepted, even just for a fraction of time? Um, and then to build a uh, communications program or an engagement program of some sort to try and then land it in that place. Um, in order to do that, we collect a huge amount of data. Um, I actually got to hear about um, one of the world's largest e-commerce um, platforms, not Amazon, actually bigger than Amazon, but I'll be, I'll be uh, uh, respectful and not say who it is. Um, sure. And to hear about how many um, individual data points that this large e-com platform has about each one of its customers. And it has six or 700 million customers. Wow. Um, I, was, yeah. I was thinking that you would have, you know, it, it would collect, you know, hundreds of data points. The actual okay. number is 11,000. 11,000 individual data points per person. Some of those wow. are collected. Some of those are created based on behavior. Okay. Uh, most of them are not psychic, not demographic, but they're psychographic and behavior. So let's take that as the pinnacle of consumer marketing and then ladder back down to some of the world's best brands that have hundreds, maybe even small numbers of thousands of insights around and data points around um, their customers. What's the average number of, of um, data points that companies hold about their employees? Mm. Now, I don't know what the answer to this is specifically, okay. but I can tell you it's in the tens. You know, thousands of, yeah, it's, it's 10, it's 20, it's 30. And most of those yeah, things yeah. are how long you've worked there, how much money you we pay you, uh, the role that you have, maybe some skills. Um, sure. We really don't know what makes these, in, these unique individuals tick. Um, and that is probably one of the biggest problems in employee engagement is we actually don't know our people. Wow. And we and we think we do. We want to. We want to believe that we understand, you know, why they're there. They're aligned with our mission, so they must have certain characteristics about them. But yet you're right. There's so much about our people that is a mystery to us that we're assuming, making a lot of assumptions about. Well, and, and we can we, we can wake up happy every morning with those assumptions because we pay those people to be there. Uh -huh. So um, yeah. we um, we don't need to, unlike the, the consumer marketing um uh, sort of angle where we assume they don't care and we're trying to make them care. We believe as employers that our people care because we pay them. But the truth is with humans, you can mandate my attendance, maybe my labor, but you can't mandate my belief or my, my passion. You can't make mm. me, you can't pay me to care. You can only pay me to be there. And, and I'm sure there's also a cycle. In the beginning, be, getting hired into a company, you might, be, you might be able to ride that wave of they're just excited to be there. They're excited to get paid. Mm -hmm. And then as they get into their jobs and into the culture, I, could, I have seen times where that has waned. And now they need a little more motivation than just the paycheck. Totally. I mean, there's there's a, a very real thing called the one-year cliff, which mm. is you, you reach that sort of first-year anniversary and then you're, you're – belief you know the amount that you really truly care sort of 
drops off that cliff. Um, and, and it comes down to, to just what you said is, you know, the, the new experience and the, the money, they, they matter for a little while. Um, but ultimately, there's something bigger and longer that, we, that we're all seeking, which is um, a purpose to, to, to do things that make an impact, to, to know that my job matters in some way. And that's really, you, you walk into a new job thinking, hey, I'm, this is, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something special here. And then you realize, you know, after six months, a year, whatever it is, that you're not able to do that. You are so far removed from doing anything that looks like it matters. And that's truly where the kind of engagement and the, the belief, the passion, the caring, all those good sort of human emotional things that we're trying to unlock with people. That's where it really falls down. Um, right, you know, right. I sit, this- sit here and bang away at a spreadsheet all day. Does it do anything? If I stopped, mm-hmm. would it matter? Right. And in defining what matters, it's very personal because what matters to me is different than what matters to you. Yeah. And finding meaning in our work. But there is that higher purpose. You know, I'm going to come to work every day and give my energy. And we hope that you're giving your whole selves, but we also know that's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, we want we want more. Um, and we may not know how to ask for it, and employees don't even know what the what it looks like. So we we continue with the conundrum. So what more have you found with your with your clients and the work that you do? I'd say, I mean, it, it all really stems from that. Um, we've seen uh, companies that um, are sort of astonished at when uh, their large employee you know groups, the, the base of people that that really make the company tick. Um, don't follow instruction. Um, we've we, we see a lot of companies that sort of increase the amount of instruction, uh, the, in, the increase the amount of information when they're faced with sort of a, a low engagement or you know sort of low adoption of a new process or technology or something like that. Um, and yeah. that's actually not the problem. Um, what these um, these people seek more than information is inspiration. They're actually looking to be uh, inspired to to be to see a vision that they want to go after to 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 get, catch hold a little bit of that purpose that you just talked about. Um, you know, so we it, it's it's funny we with a lot of um, big organisations we when we talk about you know talking up to leadership, um, oftentimes we want to tell them a story, and actually what leadership want are the hard facts. When we talk about talking to the, 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 the troops, if you like, the, the, you know, the employees on the front line, what we often give them is facts. And what they actually mm. need is a story. They actually need to be um, inspired. Um, to, to, that will help them feel closer to the impact that, you know, every company makes an impact, not all good, but there, right. are, um, there are ways that every company can make a positive impact on the community um, you know, on the environment, on um, the, you know, on people's lives. Uh, and so by sort of inspiring people rather than just informing them, you give them a chance to sort of hack to, to get hold of that vision a little bit more rather than just mm. be told what to do. Um, and there are times a, yeah. where I've had leaders or someone comment, oh, the, that's so touchy-feely. 
or that's the soft stuff. And and I'm always curious by that. I think it's a personality difference because I don't see it as touchy-feely. I see it as uh, necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so have you uh, faced that? You know, How would you respond to someone who feels like this is just not necessary? <laughs> that's, that's the killer question. Um, <laughs> human beings are touchy-feely. We're all yeah. emotion. Um, we're entirely irrational, illogical, emotional, uh, and unique beings. So um, we don't all respond the same way to the same information. You have some people that are already bought in, so just need to be told, you know, to, to, to be given the instruction. We have a lot that aren't bought in. So the touchy-feely, if you, I would reposition that as um, helping them believe in what the company's doing. Now, if you don't think that that matters, then you've got a bigger problem with your leadership mm. approach. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have to be fluffy. Some of the best brand marketing out there is in no way fluffy. Um, mm. Nike do not do fluffy brand communication. Correct. They, they do. Um, they get you off the couch. That's their entire mission um, is to get you off the couch and get you to do something uncomfortable that will make you better. And, and so it can be that. Um, yeah. It just doesn't. It 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 doesn't need to to solely be a four hour laborious training um, program. Right. It can actually and different be people latch. Yeah, and different people latch on to that idea of believing in what you're doing based on you know what are they motivated by. Some people are motivated by those facts, and that's great. I think we have the facts covered in most mm-hmm. of the communication and information we give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And others want to be inspired from an emotional heart-led place. And other people want to be shown the way. So more action-oriented, tell me what to do and how to how to do it and what's the right thing to do next. Um, and so letting letting the whole person really be a part of these communications is helpful. Totally. And and you know, we you'd never go into a uh, a consumer product or brand launch without understanding the different types of people you're trying to reach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the pers- things like persona exercises so that you're actually building the, you know, a picture of the six or eight different um, people that exist in your organization and then tailoring the way that you approach them uh, that way. Um, you have, uh, the, you can have somebody that already believes, well, yes, they need the, then they, they, you can take them to the facts, but you can also make them advocates. So they can help someone who doesn't. Um, yes. You can take someone who is um, on the other end of the spectrum, which is who, who, who not only doesn't believe, but firmly believes in in the negative. You know that mm-hmm. is a, effectively sort of a drain on the uh, on the organisation. Is is not happy to be there and will be vocal about it. There's a different way to approach them too. Um, yeah. To to get them to come on board the ship. Um, so you you're always seeking to understand the the, the different. Um, sort of personas inside the organization and then building um, engagement with them in a way that actually meets their needs. Right. You know, it, this, and this is all about that orientation. If, if you are orientated around your, your people, you'll do that naturally. The same way that you yeah. do it um, when you go to a dinner party, you don't engage with every single new person in exactly the same way. You try to read them and then engage in, in, a, in a way that you think that they will most respond to. Yeah. And, and when we come up with these personas, we are still looking through our own lens. So I'm looking at someone through my lens and making assumptions about them. So I'm curious to go back to your point that we have very little data on our people compared mm-hmm. to the data we have on our consumers. How do companies solve for that? 
you know, it's uh, if if I could sort of magic one thing that every company yeah. would start to do tomorrow, it would be that. It would be that they actually listen to their people more. Um, so I'm going to answer this in a couple of ways. First is um, then you need to reconsider um, this employee engagement survey um, obsession that we have. Um, oh, and yes. people are doing them yearly, they're doing them quarterly, even monthly pulses and that kind of stuff. The problem is not that you're asking your people questions. It's the questions you're asking. The way that those, those surveys tend to be constructed is how, you know, I'll be clumsy here. How engaged are you with the company rather than how, um, how well is the company serving you? It's very one way. It's very, um, person to company rather than the company to person. So you don't really learn anything. Um, uh, you just learn uh, how bad things are rather than truly what makes people tick. It's not, it, it's a, it's, it's not the full picture that you're trying to trying to gather. So, and then you have this, this concept of, of survey fatigue. People are scared of asking their people questions. Um, that's bullshit. There's mm. no, there's not survey fatigue. There's inaction fatigue. It's that you, yes. you ask me these questions, you get me to fill out this 45 minute um, survey and then you never speak of it or never do anything with it ever again. So it's like, yes. I just put these answers into a black hole. So that's one. The other mm -hmm. is, we are obsessed with, um, you know, looking at, at specific roles and capability and trying to make people the same, you know, so we have a lot of people that work in this one division, they all need to be the same. That's not what we want. What we actually want to know is what's unique and interesting and individual about every one of those people. So I would be more um, interested in, you know, we have a, a, a client that call, they, he calls them superpowers. It's like, what are, the, yes. what are you great at? Not what job do you do? Right. If we learn that, we'd actually be able to understand people in a whole different way. And that's the sort of psychographic behavioral stuff that we're looking for when we, we, when I was in, on the consumer marketing side, which is, you know, what makes these people tick? Not just where do they live and how much money do they earn? And I think it's that softer side, that more human side that we're missing in terms of that, that picture. So imagine a, you know, an internal LinkedIn, if you like, for every single person that had not just who they are and where they work, but what they care about, what makes mm. them tick, what makes them want to work there, what they're great at, what, what superpowers they can bring, um, right. and building that real sort of rounded picture. Then you wouldn't have to ask them all of those stupid questions in the survey because you'd yeah. already know them. Right. And what are they curious about? What could they do all day long yeah. without stopping? You know, yeah. Where do they have an insatiable hunger to learn more? Because um, you know, I've seen people who their entry point into the company was a job description because, to your point, they had the capabilities, the company had a need. But then there's such an abundance of work to go around that if you can get the people doing the work they're most passionate about, the rest of it really takes care of it itself. Totally. I mean, think, think about a, a business analyst. Right? There are a, a set of core capabilities a business analyst needs inside a um, any, any company, a bank or a CPG company or whatever. Um, but how they go about doing that and what, um, what specific sort of areas of passion they bring to their analytic approach could take the company in lots of different directions, depending on who mm. they are. Um, and, and we, yet we don't seek to, to, to look at that. It's like, well, we need two analysts on this, get me two analysts. And, right. and you're not thinking about the humans behind that. Um, yeah. you, you know, maybe it's for another another conversation, but just the term HR, human resources, is is a huge signal of what's wrong. 
We're not, this mm. is, these are not resources. These are the greatest asset and uh, the most sort of unique and individual creative force that you have inside your company. Why try yeah. and make them the and, same? And I've seen the shift in people's titles, you know, chief people and culture officer, for example. Mm. So I'm, in, I'm, yes, it might be a different conversation, but I'm also <laughs> optimistic because I'm seeing that shift in language. Um, but going back to your point on, you know, getting people to identify their superpowers and unleashing them on the, on the work that they really want to do, to me, it, it, there's two pieces to that. It's the self-awareness and also the curiosity on the part of others who are listening to them. Because I've had people say to me, I can really see you're passionate about this. And it was almost something I didn't notice in myself, but they saw something in my demeanor, in my energy when I shifted from one conversation to the next. And so helping me be more aware of me as an employee and what I'm passionate about and being observant and seeing where their energy shifts so that you can continue driving the momentum in the right direction. Absolutely. I mean, can, can you imagine if we all sort of um, respected and understood that and meetings would be entirely different. Um, the yes. way in which we run, we run projects would be entirely different if we actually recognize the, um, if you like the humanity and the energy that exists around different parts of that work rather than, um, everybody has to conform to just one way of behaving and one way of working. Um, yeah. it's, it's a big shift though, um, in for a lot of, you know, traditional companies companies with with legacy processes and systems um but yeah. there are ways to unlock it within them without breaking the whole thing i think well and it comes to mind the traditional leadership styles as well i think those are shifting you know those normally we see people who have more assertive uh, personalities kind of rising to leadership positions and now during this time whether it's the pandemic or the society around us it's really calling forward for more relationship driven leadership more coaching more curiosity and and that's that's different yeah um i mean we I honestly think it, the, the leaders who inspire belief um, will have people wanting to follow them into the unknown, you know, rather than just those who uh, give instruction. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's it, again, it's, it's hard if you've built a business based on instruction. Yeah. Well, my hope is that we are able to move past from the leader having to have all the answers and the leader yes. feeling the pressure of having to have all the answers. Isn't, aren't you supposed to surround yourself with people smarter than you that do different things than you? So you can't have all the answers. You're, that's the, right. The that's the that goal have, now. I think that's yeah. where we're headed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that you've surrounded yourself with those people makes you a good leader as opposed yeah. to you, you're just better at everything than everybody else. I'm not sure that, what that makes you. Yeah. Yeah. I can picture those leaders that I would follow into battle, like you said. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I mean, we've come up with a lot of amazing um, insights. Uh, maybe we've defined the problem or continued to to explore the problem. Let's shift more to like, what can we do about this? And and how can, what are some of the micro opportunities we have in front of us and some of the more macro things that, that we can look to change? So um, there's, a, there's a, an awful lot, a lot of it outside of my remit as a marketing guy um but I, so i'll answer it from that uh position um you mentioned the first one we talked about that um that uh, if, if if a company is going to spend an extra dollar in and around its people spend most of that dollar right now um on on listening to your people and understanding more about who they are as human beings as opposed to 
uh, just the the job that you have them do because they have, you know, I would say the the answer to whatever problem you have is sitting right next to you. You just need to know how to listen uh, and ask the right questions to find out who it is that can solve that. I think your game changer is the question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are there Um, any questions that have unlocked conversation for you with your clients or employees? I mean, um, just, just simply asking, having people actually ask employees, um, what do they need and what would they do as opposed to, um, here's the thing we want you to do. Can you do it by Friday? Right. Like, we, we never ask people what they need. Um, mm. we just assume. And so, um, and, and that's, it's a difference between sort of instructing and listening. Um, you know, what, what do you need is a question that, that then prompts a listening posture. Um, giving instruction doesn't, doesn't really leave a lot of, of, of time. You might get the odd sort of, uh, clarifying question, but you really don't get deeper into what it is that you need or, you know, and, and, and what would, what would make this work for you? Um, simple things like that. Um, okay. So you mentioned spending a dollar on listening, any dollars you yeah, have or, right now. Yeah. Mo- most, most of that dollar. And then the other part I think is, um, it, in, in, again, in our world is, is communication that, um, you know, oftentimes a lot of the, the right things are being done, you know, and a, a, there's a piece of technology that is slowing everybody down that is causing headaches. That technology is going to be replaced. That's the right thing to do. There's a, a process that is unwieldy, um, inflexible and, and, uh, you know, drags everybody down. We're going to change that process, you know, things like that. Um, the, the problem is that we're, we, we make the right decisions in terms of what needs to get done, but we don't t- tell people why it's happening um, or involve them in the process of change. We just kind of force it upon them. Um, and that's a communications problem. If, I, mm. um, if I'm going to push you over, and call, you know, then if I, come up, if I tell you I'm going to do it before I do it, you still might be pissed at me, but um, you'll be at least prepared for it. Um, I've involved you in the fact that I'm pushing you over. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's that kind of thing. It's like, how do you actually use, you know, how do you teach transformation leaders, people leaders to be um, better communicators so that they can involve people in the change rather than that they're trying to make rather than just inform them and, and instruct them. You know, most yeah. of what we do um, as marketers is about that, um, involvement is about that uh, awareness is about that inclusion rather than just you know here's what this new car or this new drink will do for you um, yeah. it's much more about why and I think that's that I, that that tends to be left to the marketing folks whereas we believe that everybody needs to apply sort of a, a good communications good marketing um, filter to everything that they put out there into the organization yeah. And I find that the work that I do with clients, when not, when they hear things like include people, that doesn't mean you have to act on everything they tell you or you have to do what they t- tell you, but you need to give them a way to feel heard because that, there's plenty of opportunities to to ask and then have it go into a black hole. But instead, let people contribute and then share with them why we did or didn't go the path that we went. And that yeah. tends to be what they want. I had a chance to, to have my voice be heard, and I'm okay that it's not the direction we went in, but I, now I know why we did go in that direction. Yeah, you told me early you that what was happening. 
you brought me into the process. Um, I'm not, I'm no longer scared of it. I'm not resistant to it. Um, I understand, I understand why you, why this is happening. Um, yes. and so instead of resisting it, I'll actually try and help it along. Right. Um, and, and again, that, that's, that's one, you know, you're, cha- you're, you're talking about one specific piece of piece of, you know, tra- transformation work or change. Yeah. Um, but that there's, there's hundreds, thousands happening in these large organizations. So you can do that continually, um, and, and, and make it part of the way that we work, um, which is in, involving people, including people in, um, you know, the, where, where the company is going and making them feel part of driving it there. Then they'll, yeah. they'll lift up and bring the energy that you want to, uh, to that. Right. And for anyone who thinks that that sounds like a lot of work, <laughs> it's to me, it's about investing your time up front. And yeah. if you didn't invest in your retirement right now, you'd have no money at the end. So if you don't invest in these relationships and the commitment of the people now, you won't have the commitment later. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and you're going to have to tell people about it anyway, but the way in which you tell people can be, um, can be better, can be different. Yeah. Um, you're, you're asking your employees questions now, but the questions you ask them can be different. Um, mm. this, this is about creating, if you like, a, a more human uh, layer over the work that transformation leaders and people leaders do inside these organizations um, so that they um, naturally behave in a more human way, not an entirely different uh, work stream that needs to be sort of uh, you know, a whole, whole another team that needs to be built in order just to do that. It's a capability that everyone can can actually sort of bring to themselves. Yeah. Were there any other suggestions you want to add to the to the mix? The the only other thing, again, staying on the marketing tip, just because that's my world, is yeah. Um, I think that um, we we give our our people um, nowhere near enough credit for who they are in. Their, you know, in their full lives, um, you know, the way that we communicate inside inside companies, um, we're going to send you a long, boring email. Um, <laughs> but because we pay you and you work here, you're going to read it all. And um, I think that's misguided because that same person is, um, uh, you know, an amateur athlete, a runner, let's say, and big fan of Nike. So they are being communicated to by Nike in their um, personal life and they get Nike's communication and then they get your communication and they don't judge those two things differently. Mm. They see you as long winded, boring and Nike as fun and engaging and inspiring. So why would, why do you need to write that long email to them? If you need to get them to do something, think about the way that, um, the brands that they love communicate and echo that kind of behavior. You know, Mm. we, um, (laughs) the, the, the A4, well, sorry, the, the letter printed um, posters on in, in bathrooms that tell you what's happening in the company. I mean, that's that's no that's not the way to communicate. The um, the, the old fashioned sort of one way town halls. These are not the, are your your people are highly educated, highly cultured, and adept consumers on the outside. Don't treat them any differently just because they work for you. Um, they're still highly cultured, highly adept consumers of, of information and communication on the inside too. So um, the other the other piece, if you like, um, 
if you've if you've spent time listening if you've built a story for your people rather than just uh just information then make it interesting make yeah. it um crafted make it feel like something they would see on the outside because there's a, there's been billions of dollars and you know decades of investment in making that stuff great on the outside so um you can do the same in, inside and people really enjoy p- putting their creativity towards the internal messages too. So find those creative people and unleash them on on the internal consumers that you have. Yeah, they're they're, they're for sure they're inside the organization somewhere. Maybe not yeah. in internal comms. Maybe in a different right, department. right. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, we've introduced this new version of marketing, which I think is fantastic. It's not the advertising, you know, definition that we used to hold. And it can be and should be applied to our consumers inside of our company. And this might sound like a really new way of thinking. And I understand that you have a way to help people learn more about how to make how to use marketing to drive change initiatives. Can you tell us a bit about what you have to offer? Yeah, absolutely. Um so local as a um, it's worth going back to go forwards just for a moment. Yeah, um, local sure. as a as a um, as a company was founded um, out of the frustration uh, of, of being inside um, large organisations and being unable to affect positive change, uh, of feeling the um, feeling the power of a dysfunctional or, or you know uh, suboptimal culture on the very ideas that you are trying to realize. Um, and so, you know, through that frustration, it's like, well, everybody is spending all their time on these new ideas, whether it's a new technology, new process, new brand idea, new product idea, whatever it is, new innovation. Uh, and no one thinks about how those ideas travel through organizations. They, they're just sort of, they're left to, to fight for themselves once they leave a, a room of, of believers that created them. Um, and in, in that journey from that room out to the world, they get attacked by the dysfunctional culture and, and that's where they end up smaller, weaker or dying on that journey. And so we decided that, you know, the world didn't need another um, group of creative people just coming up with ideas. Perhaps we could apply some of the creativity that we'd learned over these years and years working on the on consumer brands um, to to um, helping new things travel through culture and survive the journey so hence the focus on you know engaging employees more deeply so that they actually welcome uh what's coming and and feel part of that so um as a as a company we build um these change programs using marketing techniques it is a um process that we call change marketing it is basically a hybrid of um, some of the more progressive models and um, and, and and approaches from change management, and then everything we know about consumer marketing um, and treating employees as basically internal consumers. So um, we will build these change marketing um, programs for large enterprise businesses um, uh, and, and working, you know, Fortune Fortune fifty, Fortune one hundred, Fortune two hundred. Um, uh, you know, mostly with, with companies with 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 employees. Um, but we're also now embarking on um, a change marketing uh, training program that will help anybody working in uh, any size organization apply some of these marketing techniques to their work. So if you are in HR, 
um, or innovation, transformation, IT, basically a, a non, you know, non-marketing discipline. We have a set of techniques and tools um, that we're developing to roll out. We would have been uh, already live now, but there's been a small pandemic um, that yeah. slows everything down a little bit. Minor point. Uh, <laughs> yes, and, and we're obviously retooling everything from a physical experience, which is how it was originated last year into obviously something more more yeah. virtual um, so that you can start to sort of apply those things to whatever program that you're working on. So the next time you're launching a new internal piece of technology, um, you have a set of uh, techniques and tools that you can apply to getting people to care about that and then wanting to use it. Because ultimately, um, and a lot of what we do is, is technology and process change uh, and mindset change too. But um, if you are investing, you know, seven figures or more in a new technology, you can stand that technology up, you can integrate it into your tech stack, you can migrate the data successfully, and you still have um, no value from it. Only The value is only extracted when your people start to use it. So it's good if they believe in it and then are ready to and, and happy to adopt it and to adopt it habitually rather than just sort of use it once and walk away. So our, our goal a lot of the time is that sort of happy habitual adoption of, of new technologies or new processes. Yes, and that's where I have a lot of passion is the intersection of people and technology and driving that adoption. And the tools and techniques that you've you've that I've learned by watching you, listening to you have been instrumental. Um, and so... So sort of just to run us to ground here, we've covered a lot of territory. So we redefine marketing. So we want to orient everything around your audience. And in this case, it's the audiences, our employees, mm-hmm. and get to know them, really get to know them and start by asking better questions, listening and curating their superpowers. We want to inspire employees rather than inform, and then they can reach out to you to learn more about building change marketing programs or to learn about the techniques and tools to be a better change marketer. That's wonderful. I yeah, love it. I, yes. yeah, I love it too because this is, you know, the way forward is really to unlock the potential and the energy of, of our people within our organizations. And we are in new territory, so let's um, let's take a new approach. I love that. I, and I, I genuinely believe that inside every company is the answer to every question. Um, I just think that we have forgotten how to, how to listen and how to ask the right questions to find it. Um, now, somebody told me recently um, uh, about the actual origination of the word company, which I thought would be an interesting oh, yeah? way to, to, to close this. It, that, um, it, it, it's, it comes from sort of a, the deconstruction of, um, uh, in French, of uh, sort of the communion around bread, called pain. So we come together to make and break bread. Which yeah. is, we, we come together as a group with the same goal to all benefit. Um, I think that we kind of forgotten what a company is. We think a company is the building and the products and the assets, um, but it's actually the people. Um, and I think that if there's one lasting goal, you know, way bigger than what we're trying to do, that we that we want to play a role in, it is a, a return to company, a return, return to, to, company. to 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 people at the heart of, of, of every organization because um, you know the intersection of, of technology and, and, and the rise of automation isn't about replacing people it's about freeing people from laborious repetitive labor to be creative because yeah. that's the one thing that technology isn't able to do 
That's to, right. ad- to adapt and invent what's next. That's fantastic. You might have been able to tell that we had a ton of energy throughout our conversation. And when I stopped recording, we kept going. So here's an extra tidbit. Hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit more about what it means to listen. So we mentioned listening as being a critical skill and a critical next step. And yet listening is not inherent to who we are as people. So what what does it mean to you to really listen? It's, it's That's so true. Um, I often feel like most people are just waiting for uh, the other person to stop talking so they can get back to talking about themselves. Um, I'm afraid it is a human failing that, that all of us have. Um, so I have a sort of a point of view on, on listening, which is actually built from uh, a bit of life experience. So you can probably tell um, uh, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia right now, but I'm not a native. Um, <laughs> with, <laughs> I actually grew up um, just north of London and my wife um, grew up uh, on the south coast of England. Together, over the last uh, 18 years, um, we've moved 13 times. Um, wow. So that is four cities, three countries, lots of different neighborhoods. Um, so we've gotten pretty used to being self-sufficient and on our own and meeting new people. And so when you, most people have this experience, maybe not 13 times, but um, have this experience, you know, a few times in their lives, you move to a new city or a new neighborhood and and you meet your neighbors and your neighbors will invite you to a garden drinks or a dinner party or whatever those, you know, that social gathering is. And you're with strangers. There's two different ways you can behave. And we've learned this, you know, a little bit the hard way. Um, One is you, you can turn up and just start talking about yourself. Um, and, you know, sort of steal the oxygen from the room a little bit. And um, the what will happen if you do that is you'll get some attention for a little bit, but then it will wane. And people will sort of, you know, be less inclined to want to hear you continue and, and perhaps you don't get invited back to the second one. Um, so we have a trick, which is when you turn up, um, you adopt a listening posture immediately. And then you ask questions and you provide uh, supporting um, statements and, and, you know, sort of recognition when people are talking. So, for example, um, you, you are the first thing you do is ask people, you know, where are you from or, you know, what do you do or anything like that to get the conversation going. And then as they're talking, you ask them more questions to get them to go deeper into that story. When you find a point of common interest, you quickly say, yeah, oh, no, we, we, we went there too. Wasn't it beautiful? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I believe in that. Keep going. Um, mm-hmm. We found that you can get through the entire evening talking to people and never talk about yourself. And yes. people love you for it. Um, <laughs> and, and then they want, they, they, then someone will say, hold on, tell us about you guys. Why did you move here? But then you are invited to speak as opposed mm. to forcing your way into the conversation. So um, you, you my, my um, wonderful um, uh, ex-boss from Coca-Cola, Wendy, um, used to say, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Use them in that ratio. Right. Um, and I think that that's exactly the way to be. And use, use your ears first. Um, people will tell you so much about themselves and what they care about. Um, and you, you need to give very little for them to like you um, and then to invite you to talk. And if they invite you to talk, then they truly want to hear the answer as opposed to uh, they're just being polite. So um, I think leaders can learn something from that because ultimately we don't change um, from human beings to another species just when we go to work. We're exactly the same. 
That's right. That's right. I really like that advice. The even even the physical description of a listening posture mm-hmm. that you mentioned, like I can I can picture what a listening posture looks like, yeah. and then letting the other person share and explore in what they're telling you does create this sense of connection, even if you haven't said a word. Totally, and people are fascinating. You yes, know, aren't they? We, not not just the successful ones. You know, right. just, just the, the normal folks who are going about their lives. They're Everybody is an expert in something. Everybody yeah. is a nerd about something. And to get them to, to sort of uncover that is fascinating. I love yeah. that. You know, and it's funny. I picture my dad in this story. He will do that. He will, he will talk to anybody and then walk away with this shared connection and information. And so my dad is the greatest guy to bring to trivia because he knows all this random stuff because mm-hmm. he will ask people questions about them and listen to the answer and learn. Totally. I, I have a friend... Um, I affectionately um, refer to him as the spotlight. I won't name him because he listens to this, but um, (laughs) he's a very successful guy. And every time um, that I'm with him, he, it's like he's shining a spotlight on me as opposed to talking about himself. Um, And then we'll introduce him to, you know, a friend or someone else who, you know, one of our team members from our company and the spotlight moves instantly to them. And every single person, and I've never heard anything other than this, we'll say, what a great guy. And, <laughs> and he, because he just turns his spotlight on them. Um, yeah. Do that. Because yeah. uh, don't we all want to be liked? And so, you know, yeah. it, 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 there's, a, there's actually an upside to listening, which is people like you. Um, yes. And if, you, if you're a leader, that really helps. And there are, are people who are known as receptive leaders who do this really well, yeah. and they make great change agents, believe it or not. Because just people want to follow go them. And listen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've just had such a, a pleasure talking with you today. I'm, I know we've given people a lot to think about, and I'm sure that it will have a great impact. And how can people reach out to you if they want to learn more? Um, we, we're um, at localindustries.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter, I think, at, um, at Inside Local uh, and on LinkedIn too, Local Industries. Um, and we are... Um, uh, trying again through the pandemic to be um, part of as many of the um, progressive HR and change uh, management uh, forums and conferences as we can um, to to try and take this marketing message out there a little bit more. Um, and and for any change uh, management professionals listening, we see this one hundred percent as a compliment to the work that you do. Yes, um, it's it's a layer um, sort of on top of of ensuring that technology is stood up and processes are designed properly and that data is migrated properly in order just to get the people to um, believe in it and come on that journey with you. Absolutely. Well, as one of those change management practitioners, you are absolutely a compliment, if not even a vital partner. So thank you for that. And I really look forward to seeing you virtually or otherwise in the future. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It's been great talking to you. Um, Hope to keep you going. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. For more information and to contact us, visit www.humansoptimized.com.